Hey, this is Damien O'Darty from Center Maryland and the Lobby Podcast. We're fortunate to have really one of the strongest voices in Annapolis for the Maryland Hospital Association. Nicole Stallings, welcome to the Lobby Podcast. Thank you for having me. Listen, you have been a, a thing to behold, uh, really reminding me of you know, all of the incredible workers in any big battle that a society takes on. There are people constantly running to the front line saying, what do you need? What do you need? And so after a year in this uh, COVID experience, I'd just love to hear your takeaway. And, and before I hear that, again, I just want to thank you for really your relentless work to get to the front line and back and get those people what they need as soon as you can. So thank you so much for, for joining us again. Well, well, thanks for that. And um, thanks for acknowledging the hard work of Maryland's healthcare workers a year, a year that they've been in this fight. And, um, you know, our kids don't always understand what we do. And I tell them that I help hospitals so that they can help people. And that really has resonated with them now as they're watching how um, we have had to respond to COVID and to really uh, do this job well and to be Maryland's top advocate, we need to make sure that we were really close to their challenges. So from the beginning, um, we were uh, checking in and figuring out how we could decipher countless executive orders and waivers from the federal government, but then shifting into things we never thought we would be doing, like helping um, figure out where ventilators need to go, or even the impact of uh, potentially shutting down certain lines, uh, bus lines in Baltimore. I mean, just things that you know, every part of uh, the healthcare operations and also just the work of our uh, of our teams was has been impacted. And um, so that means that it's been the job of the hospital association to uh, support our hospitals to work hard for them because they're doing the hard work. Talk to me about what it has meant for you and your team to be uh, constantly in, you know, obviously you're going to say, hey, compared to what the people on the front lines are doing, my work is, uh, is, is de minimis or, or I'm lending a hand. But anybody that has seen the amount of tumult in the executive branch, in DHMH, in the legislature knows that a oh, whole lot of work has been going on. How have you been able to pull your team together and just constantly be driving them to, to help the front lines for, for a year straight? So I think we're really blessed with a team at the hospital association of people who believe in the mission um, of our members and are really view it as a privilege to work for them, but to see the grind that's really been necessary uh, over the past 12 months and to talk to executives who've been sleeping in their offices and to um, you know, do conference calls with staff members, nurses, frontline staff telling us what they need and to just see it on their face made us actually work harder. That makes any sense. Like we're exhausted, but we're motivated at the same time because um, of the good work that they're doing. And, and we knew we had to take everything we were hearing, all of those lessons, the experiences from the first surge and the second and bring it to Annapolis and make sure that we were working on the right issues that meant the most um, for our hospitals, their staff and the people they care for. Obviously, right now, talking a lot about uh, the vaccine and uh, the rollout of the vaccines. Do you have any update, uh, really, a year to the day 
uh, from when everybody recognized the significance of uh, COVID-19 a year later, vaccines in the field, any updates? So uh, we are about to receive, we expect the third vaccine into the field. That's going to be um, a huge um, uh, uh, burst. It's going to create a lot more supply into our state, which has really been the problem thus far. We've got the infrastructure. Our hospitals have put tens of millions of dollars into venues and mobile clinics and IT to make sure that we are getting this vaccine to the people who need it. And we can reach a lot of um, Marylanders that other distribution sites aren't able to. And so knowing that that third vaccine is going to be coming and we're going to continue to see supply increase is huge. Um, and, and we've been really waiting for it for these past two months. So um, we've been constrained with supply. I know people have been frustrated. We've been frustrated, certainly, uh, at the Hospital Association and on, on behalf of our members. But I do believe that we will continue to play an integral role. We will see more vaccines become available and to really ensure that we're reaching the populations that we need to. So our hospitals have done 474,000 shots to date. So that's more than any other distribution site so far. Um, and as I mentioned, we've got this infrastructure that we wanna make sure we're able to continue using. So. I would expect next time we talk, uh, we will still be talking about the role that hospitals are playing, mass vac sites, retail, local health departments. We really need to, to maximize all of those and to make sure that we are getting to the other end of this. This third vaccine has a Maryland connection to Maryland it hospitals? Does. It does. And I'm, I'm hoping we have a little bit of an inside track in terms of maybe perhaps getting it sooner and maybe getting a little more. We'll see. Um, I've certainly been sharing that uh, wish with a couple of folks. But um. Uh, really excited to, to see that happen. And, um, and again, just to make sure we're serving our community. You have uh, the most bullet, uh, you, you know, you have the most thorough agenda of really any association that I have seen in the Maryland political space uh, over the years. Uh, it's very thorough, very detailed. Uh, it's, it's, it's exhaustively researched policy. And then a crisis comes. How has that impacted your priority set as somebody whose job is to get the front lines what they need? How has that, how's that priority set changed in COVID? You know, I think we knew um, this time last year that COVID was going to change everything for us. Um, even when the, the legislative session adjourned early, we were already thinking about next session and what we might need to be um, doing on behalf of our members. And so what it changed is that we revisited certain um, policies that we thought perhaps we would be uh, looking to advance and really wanted to make sure everything was about COVID. The way that our hospitals had to respond, uh, the, the help that their staff need, their physicians, and how we ensure we're protecting healthcare heroes, how we ensure that um, telehealth can continue to be available because that's what our patients have relied on throughout this pandemic to ensure that they could get continued access to care and get it safely. Um, and then also, any any agenda that doesn't include health equity right now is really turning a blind eye, I believe, uh, to what's really been laid bare um, with this particular pandemic. And so those three areas, protecting our healthcare heroes, advancing telehealth, 
and um, and fighting for health equity have really been driving our work uh, this legislative session. You talk about your work. How are you even doing your work? How are you lobbying uh, the legislature this year? It's a it's a completely new dynamic. It is a new dynamic, um, and and it's not just the challenges because of the virtual session and having to find new ways to um, get to legislators. You know, you're not passing them on the street. You're not seeing them at at night, and and you can't stalk them outside of their uh, their offices. But it's also you know, our, our members are still in the midst of responding to a pandemic and in the midst of an acute care surge. We had more patients in our hospitals in January than we did in the spring. And so it's almost that my, I had a former boss who used to talk about one foot on the dock and one foot in the boat. And you always feel a little unsteady. And so the only way we've been able to feel steady to have that balance is to make sure that everything that our members are telling us that they need, their patients need, their communities need, that's what we're saying in Annapolis. And we're really just fighting for them and and moving that um, forward. We have um, really appreciated the support of the members of the General Assembly, of the administration, constantly checking in over the interim about what do your hospitals need? How's it going? That was an opportunity for us to just share that information with them directly. So they're not hearing it for the first time now, you know, uh, during session. They've they've been hearing these um, opportunities and these challenges all along. And we, uh, um, I believe, have established ourselves as a go-to resource for all things hospitals and all things healthcare, quite frankly, before the pandemic, but certainly now. Any other key bills that you've been focused on uh, as the sessions evolved? So, you know, you're always going to have um, issues that are more challenging. I've talked about some of the areas where it's really about hospitals' mission to care, but hospitals are also the largest employers in most of their communities. And so we've taken um, a very laser-like focus on ensuring the safety of the 117,000 people that work at our hospitals and are really trying to bring that response, all of the work that we've done as we uh, work with legislators to address any of the concerns. There's a lot of um, uh, labor-focused bills that have some new mandates on employers. And like any other industry, we wanna make sure that we're talking about what that impact is uh, to our hospitals, to our health systems. You know, healthcare is complex. You know this, you've got this as your family background as well. Um, but Hospitals in Maryland are especially complex because we have a system that nobody else has in the country. And um, we still have legislators that are fairly new. And so we at MHA need to make sure that we are um, really uh, meeting with them and explaining the intricacies of our systems so that when they're looking at legislation that maybe came from another state or an organization, you know, a national organization, they're understanding what it means for Maryland's hospitals. And so that's that's a challenge. That's something we're going to continue um, to work on um, so that, uh, you know, the that it's not just the mission of care, but it's also our role um, in our communities really as anchor institutions um, and, and, and what that impact means as uh, any proposal moves forward. Well, yeah, you uh, have 45 days left when this uh, pod posts. So you have half the session left looking forward, what do you see? Um, 
Well, I, I will answer. I'm going to answer that two ways. So first, um, for our priority areas, we feel really good. We are, um, I think we've worked as more of a part of a coalition than we ever have before on these issues. And that's because the priority areas that we identified that came from our members, came from their response to COVID um, are shared by so many other organizations. And um, of our key areas, we feel very good about our telehealth bill that will move forward. We have very strong sponsors and uh, Delegate Jocelyn Pena Melnick and Senator Melanie Griffith. We feel very good about all of our work on health equity. I've had the pleasure of working with the force that is Vinnie DeMarco on some pretty <laughs> important uh, legislation this session. And we feel- He wrote very, the book, you know? He, he, wrote he the literally book. wrote the book. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we feel really good about all of those bills that we've been, you know, at the table helping to shape and, and those are going to get over the finish line. Liability is always hard in Maryland, um, but we're going to keep fighting for it. There's been a lot of acknowledgement of the hard work of um, our healthcare heroes. We certainly want to see acknowledgement move into action. Um, and so we're hoping to get some, uh, some updates to Maryland's um, uh, protections uh, for our healthcare heroes. But then if I take my MHA hat off, I was saying to a committee chairman um, uh, recently, I am in awe of the significant reforms that are being contemplated by the Maryland General Assembly right now. I mean, it just makes me proud, frankly, right. to see um, a, a, a state really step into this moment and, and not hesitate, even with the challenges of the virtual format and everything else, to take on the tough conversations of the day and to move really significant bills. And we're seeing it in some of our neighboring states as well. And so I just think it's it's a time that you just can't help but to, to be in awe and to be engaged in in, in different ways. Um, it's in some ways this session has moved very fast and other ways it's moved very slow. But at the end of it, I think we're gonna have a lot of really great things um, to um, point to, and, you know, just like our members, we're just going to keep, um, keep grinding away and, and fighting for Maryland's hospitals. Well, if you had to take a little bit of a Monty Python, look at this thing and say, take a look at the bright side of life. What do you say are some of the bright sides you've seen through the last 365 days of COVID from the Maryland Hospital Association point of view? I think we have a better appreciation now for, um, the connectedness of healthcare, if that makes sense. There were strains in certain parts of the care continuum that we felt in our hospitals. And so now in Annapolis, we are weighing in on issues that don't have a direct hospital impact, but impact local health departments or impact skilled nursing facilities. And because We've just seen how they all are, are so uh, so related. And I see us continuing to build on this. I see uh, us at the hospital association, the, we, will, we will operate differently moving forward. We will um, look at uh, partnership opportunities and, and uh, take these issues differently because of the experience that we've had with COVID. And you know, this time next year, unfortunately, we're still going to be dealing with COVID in some way, right? We will still have vaccinations that we're talking about. We will still certainly be looking at some of the, the, um, the impact um, downstream. 
But uh, I would hope that we just take a lot of the lessons learned uh, and find those bright spots. Uh, you know, we certainly want to move those policies, but I also think the bright spots have been the partnerships. Maryland is home to these, um, this amazing, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, uh, but Maryland is the, uh, the home of this amazing culture of, of reformers uh, in the healthcare space that have really put together, you know, anything from Medicaid expansion to the Maryland model. It's been a model of reform. Um, and that culture of leaders in that healthcare community is largely led by women, in my view. And uh, you have always been sort of connected to that culture and to that group, but you've always had a very sort of legislative, executive branch antenna, understanding of the politics. Um, and so you were always a bit of an outlier. I always thought to that group, because they were like, she likes the politics and the legislative, <laughs> she's gonna be an expert in that. And you know, 20 years later, you have become the preeminent voice for healthcare in Maryland, in the Capitol. And I'm just wondering, we have so many young people that listen to this show. You know, I know you're gonna tell me hard work and being around good people, but what you've been able to do is pretty remarkable. And I'd love to just hear any insights that guided your path forward to where you are today. Because I think, I think a lot of people look at you and say, I, I want to be that one day. I want to be uh, Nicole Stallings one day. So what would you tell those folks? Um, well, thank you. I, I cut my teeth in New Jersey. Um, I, I went to grad school there and started working for the New Jersey Hospital Association and had the benefit of having some really amazing mentors in New Jersey and exposure to politics in New Jersey, which uh, there's a lot of stories there. Um, but I learned at that time the importance of mentorship and the importance of being a collaborator and being willing to sit down at the table and find a way to make it happen. And when I came to Maryland and was sitting around tables convened by Governor O'Malley and Anthony Brown, it was the same thing. It was like, find a way to make this happen. And so I certainly think relationships and mentoring and, um, and being willing to, yes, grind it out and, and really um, work hard. But for me, it, and maybe what I guess maybe what you were uh, speaking to that makes me a little bit different is I'm very much grounded in the policy. Um, I tell my team all the time that we have to be the most prepared in the room. You know, we, we need to know this issue 360 and we need to be uh, really credible resources. And, and what that means is we need to say, hey, yeah, our members can do something differently here. They can do something better. Um, and, and being willing to, to make change and to not just always start from a place of no. I'm lucky that I found healthcare early and I never had to go anywhere else. This is, this is where I meant really to be. Um, I've had the privilege of working on some of those big things that you talked about. And I always think this is the biggest thing I'm ever going to work on. You yeah. know, it's not going to get better than coverage expansion. It's not going to get better than the Affordable Care Act. It's not going to get better than, you know, Maryland's negotiating with CMS. And then COVID came. 
and I'm helping our hospitals and my team is, is getting stretched in ways they never thought they could do. And just seeing them be so rewarded by the work that they're doing, it just gives back and it gives you that much more energy to keep, keep doing it. So, um, it's a privilege to be named, um, and, and to be in the room and at the table, uh, with so many of those people. Yes, many are, are women. And I am a strong believer in women helping women and, um, really, um, you know, advancing one another, even if we're on different sides of an issue, there's a very quiet network uh, of women that, you know, we're always checking in on, on one another. And I think um, that's all critically, uh, critically important, but it certainly helps if you love what you do. Yeah. There seem to be like silos, like there's the, the policy group and you could hang with the best of them there. And then when the policy group's done, they'd say, Hey, Nicole, you got to take this out to the, to the real world and get it tested. And so it seemed like you had a mastery of these two worlds. Uh, I, remember, uh, I remember trying to distinguish the difference to Mark Shriver between politics and policy. And uh, he had a good chuckle out of that. Uh, but it's, it's been a real uh, masterclass to watch you in that legislative executive world, advocacy world, and then also in the policy space and just want to encourage all those people to listen, watch Nicole, you can do it all. You can do it all. Again, it's, it's, I have a great team. Um, and I can't say enough about just the importance of mentorship. I mean, I, I really think being able to, to reach out and not being afraid to say, Hey, I'd love for you to mentor me. I've done that. I've made those phone calls. It's not your boss necessarily that's your mentor. It's someone that you're looking at and you're like, I want to be like them. I, you know, I, I love the way that they, they worked this issue. They handled this difficult situation, what have you. And so, um, I would certainly encourage, uh, young men or women to, reach out and to identify some mentors. Well, you heard it first from Nicole Stallings, Maryland Hospital Association. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being on the front line, on the back line, on the sideline. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.